Our help does come from the Lord, praying that he would help us this morning as we read his word to understand it right and properly and to uh, apply it to our lives powerfully. I'm glad that you're here. I love being with the Heritage family on Sunday mornings. I'm a little biased, but I think it's pretty good family. Uh, the title of this series that we're in right now is called The Church on Mission. We're walking through the book of Acts, taking big uh, certain passages. We're not doing every single word the book of Acts, but January, February, and March, hopefully you will know the book of Acts much better. And we've called it The Church on Mission because that's pretty much what it is. It's a, a pretty detailed account of that first church after Jesus um, was killed, rose from dead, and ascended back to heaven. And that first church going on mission to share that gospel message with those around them and change the world. Pretty incredible church to be a part of. And uh, we are praying that Heritage Community Church would be a church on mission. And so the title today is The Church on Mission Brings the Gospel into the Home. So whether you are a single person or a married person with no kids or a married person with lots of kids or or a grandparent who's seen their kids raise up their own children now, our job is to bring the gospel into our home, okay? So don't, don't uh, fade away with me today if you say, well, I've already done my job because I'm a grandparent, or I don't have any kids, so that's not my job. Hang with me. We're going to talk about bringing the gospel into all of our homes. So um, just a quick prayer before we get started here. You can turn to Acts chapter 10. That's where we'll find ourselves today. And just a warning, for the sake of a little bit of organization, I'm going to go a little out of order. Okay, so we're going to start in verse 9, and then we will come back to verse 1. So don't let that throw you off, okay? Father, you are good. You have left us your word to study, to know it. I pray that it helps us to um, apply it to our lives today. I pray that your spirit would be involved with us as we read it so that uh, we would understand exactly what you had to say to us this morning. We love you, Lord. Amen. There's uh, three things that we're going to take from today's chapter here in Acts chapter 10. And the first one is this. It fits very nicely with what we talked about last week. Number one is that God shows no partiality. Remember in chapter 9 we talked last week and we said that God's desire is that everyone is saved. Everyone. And so along those lines, God shows no partiality. What do I mean by that? I mean that he does not decide this type of person should be saved and this type of person should not be saved. Even though we struggle sometimes with certain types of people, don't we? Okay, so verse 9, Acts chapter 10, verse 9, here's what it says. The next day as they were on their journey, we'll talk about who they are in a minute. Approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. While he was up there, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and But Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, in fact. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Let's pause right there. So first, let me point out, this is not a main point of this sermon, but I just want you to hear it. 
when Peter had this vision, he had gone up to the rooftop to do what? To pray. Obviously, we are not Apostle Peter, okay? We are not the Apostle Paul. And obviously, every time we pray, God does not do some incredible, miraculous thing like give us a vision of what he wants. However, may I suggest to you this, those who humbly seek the Lord in unhindered and unhurried prayer will experience great blessing. Can I say that one more time and then we'll move on from that? Those who humbly seek the Lord in unhindered and unhurried prayer will experience a great blessing. So that's what Peter was doing. He was praying and he experiences this vision. Now, Peter is commanded in this vision to eat all these animals that were on this big, great sheet. Okay, And some of the animals that were in this big sheet were animals forbidden back from like Leviticus chapter 11 for God's people to eat because they were unclean. Are you with me? But now, Peter, he doesn't understand the symbolism yet of this vision, but these unclean animals, they symbolized God's cleansing of the unclean Gentiles. Now, when we say the word Gentile today, so you will know, it's just all the rest of the people of the world, the nations, those who were not part of the Jews, okay, God's chosen people. The Gentiles. So you got two groups of people back then, Jews, Gentiles, that's it. I know today we break up people by all kinds of categories, but for our passage today, Jews and Gentiles. And God was about to do something magnificent because he was going to take something that had been unclean and make it clean. Peter refuses to obey this command. Three times, by the way, he has a history of three-time rejection followed by affirmation. You see, food restrictions were a kind of a big deal. You might say, well, that sounds a little bit silly, you know, eat the pork, whatever. But these food restrictions had isolated the Jews from the rest of the world for a very long time, okay? But God was about to break down that wall. This is very significant. God shows no partiality. His desire is that all people would be saved. He wants us to live like that, too. We don't get to go, well, thankfully my God loves you guys, but since he does, I'm not going to. <laughs> you know, you're a little odd for me. I'm not sure I completely understand you and your culture or who you, who you came from and all those things. But since my God loves you, I'm going to mainly spend time with the people that are like me. See, when God has saved us and he has changed us, we become like him. And if God shows no partiality then his people can show no partiality. Is there a type of person that you can think of in your mind? Don't raise your hand. It'll make you look really bad. But maybe in the back of your mind, maybe you can think of a type of person that, mm, you know, you kind of struggle with. Or maybe, you know, you just don't want to be around that type of person very much. Or maybe you just flat out don't like them. I don't know. Is it someone from a certain race? Is it a certain culture? Is it people of a certain economic status? Is it people that don't smell good? What's that type of person in your mind that makes you think, I just really don't enjoy being around them? You know, when I was young at school, I feel like we would watch, you know, movies and videos and read history books about how bad they used to be the times and how much better things have gotten. But as I look around, I feel like today we're more divided than ever on just about everything in the world. But as believers, we ought to be setting the pace in this. 
not trying to follow the rest of the culture and try to fit in and try to figure out, okay, well, am I supposed to be on this left side or on this right side? Am I supposed to go for him or her? Maybe as believers, instead of trying to follow what everyone on Facebook is telling us, we should set the pace and show no partiality, loving all people, desiring that all people and all nations and all people would come to know the Lord. We know their biggest problem is not what they look like, smell like, touch like, feel like, or how much money they have, but their biggest problem is that they're separated from an all-loving God, and he wants to, to bring them into the family. Well, if we know the problem and we know the answer, shouldn't we be excited to share it, no matter who it is? We must have nothing but love for all people and a sincere desire for all people to hear God's gospel message. God shows no partiality. Number two is this. As we go through this story, we see God is Lord of all nations. Did you know God is Lord of all nations? Did you know he's Lord of all people? Even if you think he's not? Even if, if the person hasn't said, God, you're my Lord, did you know he's probably still in control? One of the reasons that Acts 10 is such a, a huge passage as you're reading through the whole Bible is because this is one of the moments we've been waiting for, okay? Think about it, this all the way back in Genesis 12, okay? It's way back there. Genesis 12, God chooses a guy named Ab Abraham, okay? Okay? And he makes a covenant with him, and he says some things about how great his family is going to be, but he includes in that, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And he repeats it to Abraham a handful of times throughout Genesis in different language, different words, but he says, in you, in this family I'm choosing, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I mean, I think about the story of Ruth, the Moabite that we studied back in November. She was not part of God's family, but she was grafted in. God had love for her, okay? And she was grafted into God's people. She's even in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Numerous psalms, if you read through the psalms, talk about all the earth, all the nations worshiping God. Prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, all of them have prophecies about the whole earth worshiping God and even being saved by God. And then it continues into the New Testament. Did you know that all four Gospels have passages that talk about God's desire for the nations? At the end of Matthew, we talked last week about the church on mission as a great commission church. Jesus gives the great commission to his disciples. He says, what? Go make disciples of all nations. The very first sermon of this series, Acts 1, he told his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Last week, we saw this Ananias guy get to have a vision and said, go lay your hands on this Saul. I blinded him so his sight will come back and he can receive the Holy Spirit because he is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles. I mean, this, we have been leading up to this from like this whole book. And here we are, Acts 10, and we're going to finally get to see a non-Jew, okay, a Gentile, come to salvation through faith in Jesus. Let's meet this guy. This is exciting. Verse 1, we're going to back up now. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with his 
whole household gave alms or offerings generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now, send men to Joppa, that's a different city down the coast from where they were in Caesarea, and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with another guy named Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related all this to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, a couple of things. Cornelius was a centurion living in Caesarea. Caesarea was not liked by the Jews. It was a town where a lot of Romans lived. The Roman army that was occupying Palestine was there. Okay, it was a very immoral city. And uh, the Jews didn't like Caesarea, okay? But this guy, Cornelius, was a centurion. He was a leader in the army, okay? He kind of led about 100 men. He had a lot of respect. He was paid at least five times more than a normal soldier, so he was a wealthy man. He was also a very good man. He was praying when he had this vision, by the way, just like Peter was when he received it. Cornelius was a good man. He was even a religious man. He prayed gave offerings, but he was not what? He was not a regenerate man. Cornelius was a lot like the guy Nicodemus. Do you remember him who came to Jesus? And Jesus told him, even though you've done all these good things, even though you, you keep the law and do this, he goes, you have to be born again. Salvation comes only from putting your faith in God's son, Jesus Christ. He is the only way. So that's who Cornelius is. He's a good guy. He's well-respected, does a lot of good things, but he's not yet a believer in Jesus. Look at, with me at verse 17. So now they've both had their visions. Cornelius has sent some guys to Joppa to find Peter. And in verse 17, Peter, he's kind of confused still about his sheet with all the food. He doesn't know what to do. Verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Wouldn't it be awesome if the Spirit just talked to you like this, lets you know what's going on? Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. Now, right there, pause. It might not seem like a big deal to you that Peter let these guys in, but that was a big deal. This hospitality that he is showing, I think before the vision he had just had the day before, he might not have showed it so quickly, okay? These guys were from Caesarea. They were Gentiles. They were coming down, unclean, immoral people, and they go, hey, our boss told us to come look for you, and he lets them come in and spend the night. 
Tony Marita, the pastor, he says this was a huge gospel moment. Peter and others are now being converted out of the thinking that the good news is for the Jews alone. See, Peter, he's thinking about this vision he saw, and then these Gentiles, these unclean people, show up at the door, and he's thinking, okay, maybe I need to let these guys in. Maybe our job isn't just to, to tell all the Jews who have been waiting for the Messiah that we found the Messiah. Maybe our job is to tell everyone about the Messiah. Why? Because God is Lord of all nations. God is Lord of all nations. Now, number three, and this is the title of our sermon today, The Church on Mission Brings the Gospel into the Home. You know that that's important to us here at Heritage. Many of the things that we've ever done from the beginning, day one of Heritage, has to do with bringing the gospel into the home, the raising up of a next generation who will trust in the Lord. Continue on in verse 23 with me. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and check it out. He had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in the house and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Peter He's a little taken back by how many people are in the house. First of all, he feels awkward and, and a little uncomfortable because to this point, he never would have shown up at someone else's home like this with their whole family, he being a Jew and them being Gentiles, okay? But God is doing something. Verse 30, Cornelius said, Well, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging at the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. And check out what he says. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all you have commanded by the Lord. Cornelius has got all of his family, all of his friends. They're sitting in his living room. Now, he's a wealthy man, so maybe his living room was bigger than most. But I picture them, they're, they're like this, iPads ready. You know, they're like, okay, we've heard that you have a message from the Lord to tell us what is it. They, they're ready. Peter was taken aback at first, but they're excited. They can't wait to hear what this message of the Lord is. Why do you think that is? We know this is important because in chapter 11, the next page, Peter has to go back and tell the disciples what happened. He has to explain to them how come all of a sudden we got Gentiles coming into the family of God. And he's explaining to the disciples what had happened when he gets back. And look, at chapter 11, verse 13, he's, he's rehashing this to the disciples. And he said, And Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send a Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved you and all your household. See, that's another detail of Cornelius' vision we didn't get um, in chapter 10. 
The angel had told Cornelius the message that Simon Peter will bring you. It's a message by which you and all your household will be saved. That's why Cornelius made sure everyone was there. Because when you know you're about to hear a message that everyone's going to get saved, you get everybody in there. You bring the whole family along, don't you? You don't go, man, I better check it out first. You know, my buddy, he might not be interested in this message that would save his life. No, that's not what you say. So leaders of the family here today, when you know that the gospel message will save you and all your household, you get the gospel into your household. You don't say, man, I hope my kids get it one day. You don't say, I want them to, you know, learn it on their own. I don't want to push anything on them. If the house is on fire, you don't go, man, I hope the kids can figure out that they should get out of the house. You know, but I don't want to push it on them. You know, if they want to sleep in, you know. Matthew Henry, the theologian, he said, turn your families into little churches. I love that. You know, we think that church happens on Sunday morning, at least if I drag my family along with me, I did my job. No, he says, turn your homes, your houses, into little churches during the week. Since the church is comprised of family units, singles to large families and everything in between, if our homes would be changed by family worship, our churches would be changed. Did you know that? One author said it this way. He said, this must be our true heart's desire that our children might set their hope in God and that they would teach their own children in turn and that they would set their hope on God and teach their children. And on and on it goes. Amen. That's the heartbeat behind heritage. I think there's passage of scripture on the wall in the fellowship hall in there. It says Psalm 78, 4. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. That ought to be the heartbeat in our homes. And if you don't have children in your homes, it ought to be the heartbeat for the other people on your street and your neighborhood, that we would not hide these truths. If you know the truth about God's gospel message in your heart, why would you hide that truth? We're quick to share stuff that's not so true on social media all the time. Why would we not be so quick to share what we know is truth? We're going to finish up today um, a little bit different. I thought that as we talk about bringing the gospel into the home, I would bring up three of my friends that would help share with you some of the things that they do to bring the gospel into their home. And hopefully that might spark conversation on the way home today um, in your car or encouragement as to say, you know, this isn't um, just something that Pastor Sid does or Pastor Brian does or, you know, the guy on TV who has all the degrees or whatever. But this is something that, that all of us ought to be doing is getting the gospel into our homes. So, so as I say that, if, if Rob and Meredith and Brooke, are y'all here? Yeah, perfect. They, they didn't even get scared. Here, I'm going to, we won't do long because these seats are uncomfortable. So we got we to gotta do something, you know, get a fancy couch or something. Let me, let me get some microphones. I got green, white, and red. Red, white. Where's, is Rob in the balcony? Taking forever. Okay, let me turn these on. Let me turn that on. I forgot to do that. 
Turn that on. Okay, where are you going to sit? Is this okay? That's fine. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, put a tie on, you know. Okay, aren't they awful? I know. Okay, so one of the things that we've talked about often in um, children's ministry is to help kind of break down your day into sections at home, morning time, night time, drive time. Has anyone heard those things or been given a bag at the end of the day, ever seen those sometimes? And so I broke down this little conversation into those three areas. Yes. So Rob is going to talk to us about something that he and his family do to get the gospel into their home in the morning time. So Rob, tell us a little bit about what your family does and why you started that and maybe um, some of the good things you've seen come out of it. Sure, sure. Um, I can't, I don't remember how long ago it's been. We've been doing it for a while. Uh, before school, we gather after everybody gets ready and uh, we read the Bible together. Um, and then we have a prayer time, and uh, some days are really, really good, and some days are uh, we're trying to run out the door, and it's not so good, but uh, we feel it's really important to get that in. And the kids have even come back, and, and on times where we may miss a day, or just because we're running late or whatever, um, they circle back around, and they're like, you know, my day wasn't the greatest, and I think it was because we didn't have that time together. So... Um, that's, it's really important to us, uh, but I will confess is that like during summer break, we miss a lot. Um, they get up early, you know, 5, 5.20 my daughter gets up, and one of her friends said, why do you get up that early? And she told him and had an, told them, had an opportunity to say, well, we do Bible study in the morning. So she said that to me on the way in today, and I said, boy, wouldn't that be a great opportunity to talk with somebody and your friends so and then uh, when Brian had told me asked me if I would come up and speak um, I, I, I don't like being on stage um, <laughs> so um, at first the answer was no I wanted to say no but he told me how um, Robert my son had shared with them in small group how he reads the Bible every morning with his family and it kind of struck me right away that I had to be able to say it. it's nothing special that I do. It's just that it's my family comes together and it's a, it's a sweet time. So. Now, how do you guys decide what you read in the morning? Well, generally they, so we go through it, we read a chapter a day. And um, right now we're in the book of Isaiah. And um, we've been through Proverbs and Psalms. And the kids usually take turns and they'll want to read. Sometimes it's based on what they're studying here in church or, or small groups. Um, a lot of times they, they want to um, just try different things. They've heard a story so or seen a verse. Nice. Yep. So you didn't, you know, get like a doctorate in seminary degree or anything, so you would know no. how to do this. No. No? No, we start at chapter one of the book, and then we go <laughs> every day, we go until the end of the book. That's, that's great. It. Yep. I love that. Okay, and so that's what they do at morning time. Of course, you could read the Bible any of the time during the day. Probably not while you're driving. That would be bad, unless so the kids can read. But um, during drive time, Meredith, I know that over the years, we've had lots of conversations about how intentional you have to be as the kids go from you have their attention every night when you lay them to go to, to, go to bed to when they're all going to bed at different times. They're all over the place. And that time when you have their 
in their seat belts and they can't run away because the car is moving, um, how can you bring the gospel into your family during drive time? Well, you asked me at a really good time because I'm a little bit in grieving because I'm coming to the end of that phase of my life. Uh, Abby's married. Caleb drives. I'm rarely in the car with him anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's basically Anna and I. And so those have been some sweet times, but she's now driving, too. She has her permit. And before long, <laughs> Sydney, stop. Um, before long, uh, she'll be driving. And, you know, I, no one ever prepared me that when the kids got their license, that would totally change my interaction time with them. I never considered that. I was thinking as they go to college and graduate, I never considered that that would be the next huge milestone and that I would have to be way more intentional with conversations after that. So anyway, this was a really good chance for me to talk. So I actually talked to the kids. So I want to go back to when they were in, like, in preschool because the conversations change. Um, preschool, I remember just driving down the road. Um, most of these will be common sense things, but I'm just going to share from my heart what we did. You know, we'd be looking out the window, and they would go, the cows, you know, and you would say, who made the cows? And they would always say, God made the cows. And then we'd look at the clouds and then the sun. And, and then we introduced little um, preschool songs about the Bible. And we used to have this favorite CD called Seeds, and it was all scripture. And they learned lots of scripture verses just by listening to that musical CD over and over again. Um, as they got older, um, they started, we had a, a van that had DVDs. And so we'd put in, at that time when they were little, Veggie Tales. Um, so insert what's now new to you all, that, the resources. Veggie Tales and things like that. I remember we took a road trip. And uh, th we rented some Christian movies. One of them was called The Secret of Jonathan Sperry. We've actually showed that to the kids here at church. And that was really a life-changing movie for them. Um, we also, a Focus on the Family had a series called um, Adventures in Odyssey at that time. And we had the videos for those. And we would rent the CDs. In fact, Caleb goes, oh, I remember those CDs. They didn't like all of them. And um, he remembered the name of one of them today. I'm like, you remember that. So it was good confirmation about those things. So now fast forward to their teenage years. Um, it's very much more situational and kind of debriefing events or application or front-loading things about their day, praying, passing an ambulance, praying for the people in that ambulance, conversations about what God wants to do with your life, um, going to a Sadie Robertson's conference and on the way back home, what'd you learn today? What was the most takeaway thing that you had? You know, what does God want you to do with your life? So it's just, it's just taking, I guess, every moment. Like, all those conversations aren't planned. Yeah, the movies and the CDs, those were all very planned. But you can also be very intentional without having this major plan. So just being focused and taking advantage of every opportunity for conversation that opens up and just saying, God, help me to direct them to you. And so that he knows that you're involved in every part of their life. Um, so just for those that still have kids that aren't driving yet, take advantage of the moments because my drive time opportunities with my two oldest ones are pretty much gone. Um, so, and I loved every minute of those, but they're, they come to an end at some point. Yeah. Um, before Bruce shares, I want to tell you, too, as you think about the drive time and intentionality, one little plug is that I know most of our kids these days, they got a device, you know, mm -hmm. and 
One thing you can do if you don't have a DVD player in your car or something like that is you can sign up for Right Now Media for free. Right Now Media is a resource that we pay for as a church so that you can all have access to it. If you don't have access, just go to our church website, heritagecommunity.org, scroll down to the very bottom and click the button that says, I want a Right Now Media login or something. It will send me an email and I will give you an invitation to sign in. It's just like anything else online. You'll have a username and password. It is a Netflix-like library of Christian material from Bible studies to movies to all kinds of things from kids to teenagers to parents to adults to, to business leaders to all kinds of things. If, if you're using Right Now Media in any way to right now, raise your hand, okay? So there's, there's a handful of you. If you don't have access to that, go to the website, send me an email so I can send that to you. And what your kids could do is they could put those things on their devices and they could watch some of the same things that Meredith is talking about right there on their phones or iPads or whatever, okay? So finally, the third time is nighttime. And I asked this question on social media and none of y'all answered it this week except for Brooke. And so I went to Wednesday night uh, women's Bible study. They don't usually let me in, but I went and sat down before they started. And I said, Brooke, tell me some more about um, these journals that you guys do at home in the nighttime. And so she told me, and she was excited about it. And I go, hey, would you just tell everybody that Sunday morning and during the sermon? And she, she got so nervous. Uh, but I'm thankful you're here. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do at night. Um, so what my son and I do uh, every night is we have a gratitude journal. It's just a simple little books that I got off Amazon. Um, mine's really basic. I just write, you know, three things that I'm thankful for in my day. And because his is a kid's version, he gets to do some other stuff. So he writes what he's thankful for. He picks out a person that impacted his day. And he can actually draw a picture of his favorite part of the day. So he enjoys doing this too. And really originally I had gotten these to kind of help him see that just because not everything went exactly the way he wanted to in his day or, you know, if I told him he can't play Fortnite or something like that, it doesn't mean that the whole day was terrible and kind of open his eyes to see all of the good that happens throughout the day and just see how blessed he is. So it's helped with that, but really it's it's opened the door for us to have a lot of um, good one-on-one -on -one talks about Jesus. So most of the time I'm writing about how thankful I am that we have a forgiving God and that, you know, Jesus did sacrifice for our sins. Um, but it could be anything that goes on in our day. So, you know, he came home one Wednesday, and the person who impacted his day was Mr. Jeff, his uh, Wednesday night children in action teacher. And he told me how the kids, you know, maybe were not listening and behaving how they should have been, um, but that Mr. Jeff let them play games anyway. So it led to this great talk about how Mr. Jeff was acting how Jesus acts, that, you know, we may not behave how Jesus wants us to every moment of every day, but he still is going to love us and he's still going to bless us and take care of us. And so, you know, no matter what happens in our day, it all kind of circles back to Jesus. That's awesome. I love that. What a great way to get the gospel into your home. So what I just wanted you guys to see today is that um, all of these things in different ways are bringing the gospel into a home. They all take intentionality. None of them take um, perfection. Okay, things when you try to do things at home, you know, sometimes they go good, sometimes they go bad, and sometimes they go awful. And sometimes um, it means that you literally have to say, take the earplugs out of your ears, <laughs> and they give you the eye roll, you know, but you still do it anyway. That's right. And you pray and just pray to God. I made, um, I have this new devotional thing that I play in the car lately. It's just 
about nine or ten different um, women giving audio devotionals. And um, so it just plays as soon as you start the car. And that's not their favorite. But there was one that was by Priscilla Shire, and she was explaining the armor of God. And I said, I know this isn't your favorite thing, but I really want you to listen to this. And they were like, oh. But they really took something away from it, I hope. Yeah. I even made Sid listen to it when he was riding with me. So, but, I mean, you have to, sometimes you, it doesn't go as like, oh, good, we get to do this. Sometimes it's not always like that, but you still do it anyway. That's right. That's right. If you know that the message will change someone's life, then you bring the family along, okay? So I really, really appreciate you all doing this. As Before we leave, I just want to show you two more resources. The Right Now Media is one. But if you're thinking at all about trying to figure out how to get the gospel into your home, I got two books, okay? Um, this one, I know it's funny because my brother wrote it, but it really is <laughs> it, it really is a, a, a good uh, almost workbook, handbook type way to figure out how to get started with getting the gospel into your home. It covers a lot of things. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's not real expensive, and it's not a real long read. Um, it does have some, some, uh, some things, some discussion questions at the end of each chapter and things like that. I would read it with my spouse if I were you and, and even bring the kids along. It's going to give you some things to do, like come up with your family mission statement, things like that. Some of our families have done this in the past, and it's been really significant. The other one is this. If you say, I don't, that book is too long for me, I never read. I even have a littler one. And, and this is just about family worship. It's by a guy named Donald Whitney. You can also find it on Amazon. It focuses specifically about family worship. So his main three things are, are sing, read, and pray, okay? And there's a lot of, of, of quotes in here from, from church history past about people that, that thought family worship was uh, crucial in their homes and how beneficial that was to them. I would encourage you to read it. If you were going to spend a year with me in discipleship, this would be one of the books we would read anyways. I, it won't take you but 30 minutes to probably read the whole little book. But get that. It's a significant reading. I think it will encourage you to at least start somewhere um, with getting the gospel into your home. Okay? Excellent. Thank you all again. I'm going to pray, and then we'll be gone. Okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gospel message that saves us and our families. I pray for encouragement, Father, for courage to to be intentional with getting the gospel into our homes, that we would be a, a church on mission because our homes, our homes on mission, and that you, we would see uh, you working in the lives of people individually to, to build a church that um, reflects you and your love for those around us. We love you, Lord. We want to love those no matter if they're like us, not like us, or whatever. Put us, put us in front of someone this week that we can share your love with, Lord. We love you so much and thank you for all your blessings, especially the cross of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Thank you all.